Danielle Droich, a senior attorney with NRDC, the National Resources Defense Council, is our guest. She directs the Canada program. They have a major focus on Canadian tar sands development and the proposed Keystone XL tar sands pipeline. More than a pleasure to have with us, Attorney Droich, or uh, may I call you Danielle? Good afternoon. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Danielle, uh, there have been sweeping statements made by the Speaker of the House and the House of Representatives here in the United States uh, talking about how the Keystone XL can't withstand uh, scrutiny, uh, responding to the president's declared intention to veto a bill, the bill forcing approval of the proposed Keystone XL tar sands pipeline. In a press, press release, he made numerous claims that it can't stand up uh, to scrutiny. Um, and uh, a lot of people would say that you know, he's actually helping to underscore what's really at stake with the Keystone XL pipeline and also uh, what isn't. Um, let's talk about um, a, a few uh, a few things here. Um, there are people that have opposed the project on a scientific basis, over 100 climate scientists and climate economists. There are six unions, even ne- National Nurses Union, uh, two million comments sent in during the public uh, process, the review process, and it's far more than weighed in for the pipeline, including over 140 public interest groups, veterans, 100 mayors, over 200 businesses, and these businesses finance, create, or work in development of more than 1,700 companies. Of course, Native Americans, farmers, ranchers living along the proposed pipeline route, uh, the list goes on. Um, so uh, first, first of all, this Maybe it can't withstand the scrutiny because it should not be built. That's exactly right. Thank you so much for uh, pointing out that there's a wide diversity of voices from across the United States that have weighed in against this pipeline. Uh, There's been a, a number of people who have basically found that this pipeline is all risk and no reward. There is a number of impacts in this pipeline, whether it's uh, risking water supply from an oil spill, um, bringing it tremendous climate impacts, and right now the American public is very concerned about the climate. And then it's for very little reward. Uh, This pipeline, actually, the number of permanent jobs that will be created from this pipeline is 35. Um, There will be a couple of thousand construction jobs certainly created during the building of the pipeline, but many Americans are focused on what is the total job number, and it's not that many, maybe a couple of thousand at most. And this is one of the big things that the president has been focused on is, is this pipeline in the national interest? This pipeline will not lower gas prices, and what many don't realize is that most of this uh, oil will be exported. So it's really an all-risk and no-reward proposition. Uh, uh, most definitely. Do you feel that the statements by Speaker Boehner actually help those who are on side of doing against what he and his fellow Republicans in the House and the Senate want to do, which is pass this legislation and build this pipeline? Well, this this legislation that's being considered, uh, the House uh, passed the legislation on Friday, and uh, the Senate's going to be taking the legislation up the president has actually already said that he was going to veto this Correct. legislation. And so, really, what is the point? What is Congress trying to do right now? Basically, they want to put a, a bill before the president that he vetoes. They're just trying to create a situation where they are in uh, direct opposition. This is not about 
bringing jobs to the American people. It is not about uh, putting boots on the ground, helping the American public get back to work. This is really about uh, our new Republican Congress wanting to uh, have a confrontation with the president. And this is the first piece of legislation that they're really debating. I don't know that this is really the best use of their time. Uh, no, I agree because of it. then again, this is symbolic and this is, you know, to say, look, the president doesn't want to create jobs when at the end of the day we're talking maybe 50. That's right. That's right. The, and, the, so the, what, and the greater the, the, the risk is far greater than the reward, even if it created 500 jobs. It's still not worth the risk. Can you talk to us about what's happening in the state of Nebraska that certainly would be heavily affected by the building of this pipeline? There was some legislation on a state level there. That's right. Uh, the, the state of Nebraska passed some legislation a couple of years ago that would actually uh, establish that the route of the pipeline. The reason the route is so important is that there is something called the Ogallala Aquifer. Um, this is an aquifer that millions of people, and especially farmers and ranchers, rely on. Um, it goes through America's heartland. It is, is such an important water supply. And the pipeline has been proposed to go straight through the aquifer, um, through the Nebraska sand hills, which is where these farmers and ranchers, um, that's their lifeblood. That's what they, they use all the time for their, um, for their farms and ranches. And so the Nebraska legislature passed a law that uh, enabled the, the site of the route to be um, placed, and the, uh, a couple of farmers and ranchers challenged that law and said that the way that the law was uh, passed by the Nebraska legislature was unconstitutional. On Friday, the Nebraska Supreme Court, the majority of the court, ruled that the law, in their view, was unconstitutional, but because of a technical uh, uh, rule for the Nebraska Supreme Court, that particular um, opinion didn't stand. And so basically the route that I described that goes straight through this aquifer region um, is still the route. It's the route that um, TransCanada has proposed, and what is going to happen is uh, now the State Department will... Look at the look at that route and decide whether um, it's the best route for uh, Nebraskans. We certainly hope that the that the State Department will look at that route, look at all the other issues that we've raised, and will find that the pipeline is not in the national interest. And definitely not national interest. When we talk about you know just Nebraska and just those farmers, technically as many jobs or more could be destroyed as uh, created with the building of this pipeline. And then we'll talk about the uh, more dangerous aspects environmentally and and, and otherwise after that. Sure. Something that a lot of people don't realize is that we're talking about Canadian tar sands. This is not your mom and pop's oil, the the stuff that we, you know, see coming gushing out of the ground in um, Texas and other places. This is this is a very different type of oil. You actually can hold it in your hand at room temperature. Temperature. It's very very heavy. Um, it requires a tremendous amount of water and energy in order to try to get that oil out of the the sands. Um, and uh, when it's being pushed through a pipeline. Um, it's very, it has to be mixed with a lot of different chemicals in order to get it through that pipeline. So it's nothing like conventional oil. So what we've learned, and we know this from two major tar sands um, 
spills here in the United States, in Michigan and in Arkansas, that when tar sand spills, it sinks in water. It's actually completely different than conventional oil. It does not uh, float on the surface, so you can't use booms the way you, you perhaps saw with the BP spill. So what we really, um, we have a very different type of oil. It's much harder to clean up. And in the case of the Kalamazoo, Michigan river spill, um, it actually was impossible to clean up. So there will be always a legacy of tar sands oil in that river system. And this makes a, a difference added to the whole idea of the environment and what a pipeline being built underground, especially going under uh, near drinking water and water for agricultural purposes and water that animals are drinking uh, that we then uh, consume products from or the entire animal if, you're, if you eat meat. Um, uh, and, and that goes far beyond the job aspect. But because these are Canadian, like you said, tar sand, these are coming from the Canadian tar sands, that's an added bonus of neg- negativity for this project. That's right. I mean, this is a foreign, we're talking, this is a foreign pipeline. Uh, the company TransCanada is the one who's building it. Um, the money, this is really about helping Canada's tar sands industry grow. This pipeline, pipelines are not about job creation. I mean, there's a purpose for a pipeline, and it's not to create jobs. So it takes about 35 jobs to, to actually operate the pipeline. Most of this is about helping the oil industry upstream um, expand. Um, and there's a lot of costs that uh, come with um, helping that particular industry expand upstream. It's not in America's best interest to help that uh, make that happen, and there's a tremendous impact upstream in Canada, um, and many of your uh, listeners may not even be aware of those impacts, but, but I can tell you, um, having lived up there myself, that there, there is uh, the impact to Canada's boreal forest and the communities that live near these massive mines. I mean, they're huge, and they cover an area the size of Florida. This is really, um, this is a kind of an environmental disaster that we actually need to uh, step away from um, globally if we're ever going to confront uh, the climate issues of our day. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be back with our guest. And if you want to join us, 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Senior attorney with the National Resources Defense Council. She directs the Canada program. There's a major focus there on the Canadian tar sands, tar sands excuse me, development. Those are proposed uh, as part of the Keystone XL tar sands pipeline. Danielle Droich is her name. Pick up the phone and tell us yours, 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Follow the NRDC on Twitter at NRDC. And we're back. I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome, welcome back. Only True Democracy and Talk Radio. Danielle George, Senior Attorney with the National Resources Defense Council, is our guest. Danielle, I understand not a, that a lot of people get their news in sound bites, but I know that not every person in the United States is ignorant. So please explain to me, when our gas prices are already low, and this will do nothing to lower gas prices, please explain to me where the economy is improving and that the unemployment rate is five and change percent and continues to drop and that this will not create a lot of permanent jobs in both the short and long term. Why anybody would support a pipeline from Mexico to Canada and the oil going out into the world market and not being brought into the United States. Could, could you give me one benefit of the Keystone Pipeline that these people are supporting that aren't these aren't heads of these huge corporations that would benefit from this. This pipeline really benefits big oil. This 
from the very, very beginning, uh, this campaign for the pipeline has been waged by big oil. The big oil backers are behind the pipeline. They are the ones paying for the campaigns. They're paying for the campaign ads. They're paying for uh, those in Congress who are supporting the pipeline. There isn't, um, there isn't a strong, I'm not saying that there isn't any uh, American people behind this. I don't want to uh, suggest that there aren't individuals that are behind this, but the, if you were to look at the machine behind supporting the pipeline, it's not a lot of public interest organizations. There are some um, unions that are for the pipeline, but for the most part, this pipeline is really about helping big oil get oil from Canada to the Gulf Coast where it's refined and then it can be sold overseas. And there's a lot of money to be made, billions of dollars. But we have to see through all of that and look at what, is, what are the facts here. And the facts are something the State Department has already confirmed for us. The number of jobs is low. Um, there will be no effect to gas prices. The majority will be exported. Those are all facts. Um, and then the environmental impacts, uh, they are hotly debated, but the science, scientists are coming out and saying this is a problem. So we have to look at this and understand that this pipeline is its really easy to reject. There's much bigger environmental issues for us to be uh, fighting over. It, this, is not, this should be a very easy decision for us. We currently in the United States, we are fine when it comes to oil production. We have had huge reductions in um, our oil demand, uh, which is the most important thing for us. And we've also uh, have lots of U.S. oil production going. We've had more oil production surging since the pr proposal for the pipeline in the last uh, three to four years um, than for the past several decades. We are we are not in a situation where this is a this is a desperate situation. And we have contributors like the Koch brothers that have given over $6 million to political campaigns. What? Um, you know, when you total up how much was contributed by huge uh, companies that have interest in oil and gas, like you said, Big Oil, and other companies with interest in oil and gas, like the, the Koch Industries, they contributed more than $70 million to federal candidates in the 2012 cycle. So for a lot of these politicians, the only reason they're pushing this through is they made a promise when they received a check. That's right, and, this, and there's been a there's been a couple of organizations out there, Oil Change International being one of them, that has actually taken the time for every single vote on this pipeline. We've had a number by by now, and connected the money right back to the vote. Um, and in fact, with the Koch brothers, uh, the Koch brothers actually own a lot of tar sands in Canada. They are actually the ones who are upstream, they, they not only own the actual oil resources, but they own a lot of the refineries and the um, not the pipeline itself, but a lot of the infrastructure along the way. So the Koch brothers directly have a vested interest in this particular pipeline being built. Uh, somebody on Twitter asked a question that I think is the perception of a lot of Americans. Why do you want it stopped when it offers so many benefits? It frees us from Saudi Arabia. It doesn't free us from our oil dependency, does it? 
This particular pipeline, no, it doesn't. I mean, if you're going to get to what's really going to free us from oil dependency, it's going to be reducing our demand for oil. That's the number one thing we can do. Swapping our addiction from one country to another country, whether it's Saudi Arabia or Venezuela or Canada, that doesn't make a difference, and here's why. Because, Well, go ahead. No, no, you go. Well, just that we have these we have these huge fluctuations, right, with oil prices. We're experiencing this right now. All of a sudden, oil prices drop, and that has a huge and profound impact on our economy. And it's because we're so addicted to these uh, to, to basically foreign oil. What we have to do is we have to start to drive down demand, and there's so many opportunities for us to do that. But the mere swapping to say we're going to go from Saudi Arabia to Canada, which is a fallacy. You can't actually do that. It's not the way the oil, uh, the world oil market works. We will continue to be importing oil from Saudi Arabia and from the Middle East, not because it's uh, a, a foreign policy decision. It's because of the way our oil markets work. So what we have to be doing is not looking at this as a simple uh, equation. It's really about making the right decision about our local oil production and demand and, um, and saying no to projects like this, which really don't bring any benefit to the United States. Um, let, but let's talk about, uh, you know, Washington posted a piece and it had three Pinocchios for the president on the claim that the United States wouldn't get any of the oil. Okay. Cause I want, I want facts here. Now, the crude oil would travel to the Gulf Coast, and allegedly it will be refined into products such as motor gasoline and diesel fuel, known as a distillate fuel in the trade. Um, the refineries on the Gulf Coast say they're eagerly awaiting the Canadian crude because they don't have enough oil in that area to feed the refineries. Is there any truth to that, or is the Washington Post lying about the president not being truthful uh, in, in full with regard to the oil refineries on the Gulf Coast? Well, the president was absolutely correct in saying this oil is not destined for the United States. Uh, most of the, I mean, it's true that the, there, there, there will, this product will be refined in the Gulf Coast. So it is true that there will be refined, it will be refined there. And so there will be uh, benefits to, uh, I guess, the refineries on the Gulf Coast. But let's, in a moment, make sure we talk about some of the, the downsides to that. Um, and then it would be exported because right now the Gulf Coast it, uh, exports refined products. So the, the Washington Post was correct in, in saying that, oh, well, it's not quite crude oil, it's refined products. But, if, but let's just be clear, when this pipeline was sold to the American public by the American Petroleum Institute, by TransCanada, by the oil companies, they sold it saying that this is about producing uh, uh, gasoline for Americans. That's how they sold it. And the truth is, is that this is really about uh, oil that's going to be first refined and then exported. So it's really not about helping American, U.S. American energy security. If you care about refinery jobs in the Gulf Coast, yes, it will help um, some of those refinery jobs. But be aware that the communities on the Gulf Coast have uh, basically stepped up and said that they're very, very concerned about the heavy tar sands coming to their refineries. We have learned that tar sands um, is actually because it has these chemicals in the pipelines as it's being transported down. Danielle, we've run out of time. Danielle, we will have you back, and I'm sorry, I just didn't. Very intently listening on to what you said. Danielle Droich, Senior Attorney with the NRDC, the National Resources Defense Council. 
This is no ordinary sub shop. This is Firehouse Subs. Welcome to Firehouse. Tired of overpriced lunches that underdeliver on flavor? Head to Firehouse Subs, where for a limited time you can get a $4.99 choice sub. Choose from a medium smoked turkey, Virginia honey ham, or roast beef. They're custom-made hot subs at a price ready-made to make you smile. Just $4.99, only at Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs, save more lives. Participating locations plus tax limited time offer prices may vary for delivery.